Uh, yeah. How bad was that scampi today? I was. I mean, I had more pieces than you, but it wasn't great to get. You had one more piece. Yes, yeah, sit down. <laughs> yeah, I just thought. Yeah, it was just a tiny amount of fish. Anyway, I'll get. I'll get started. <laughs> Welcome to the PC Gamer UK podcast. My name is Sam Roberts, and I'm the editor of PC Gamer, and I'm joined by... Phil Savage. It's just two people today, um, because no one came to work. Uh, Andy <laughs> is at home playing Resident Evil 7, uh, because he's reviewing it. Uh, so fact, he's got a good excuse. He has. By the time you're listening to this, he may actually be on the website, the review. Um, uh, mm. It'll be on Monday, that review. Monday the 24th, I think that is. 23rd is 23rd, Monday. yes, that's right. I think I might have got that completely wrong, actually. But anyway, in the near future, Andy will have reviewed that game. Hmm. Tom Senior is busy. Chris Thurston is working from home, so it's me and Phil, um, which is good because I think this uh, week we're mostly we've got a couple of games to talk about, and then we're mostly going to focus on questions we've got. Yeah, it's um, not a lot, is it? It's a bit of a dry season still. So it is, but I want to get back to doing weekly podcasts instead of doing like one massive one every three weeks. Try, yeah. try, try and do some slight, slightly shorter ones every week, which would be nice. Okay, and um, it was quite nice to go into our Discord channel, uh, which maybe we can plug at the start of the show, actually. Um, there's a little community bubbling there, which is really nice. Um, it's good to give people a place to go. Do you want to plug that then, Phil? Yeah, uh, if you want to come along to our Discord channel, you can go to uh, discord.gg slash PCGamer uh, is the address, and that will automatically invite you through whatever Discord account you either have or can easily set up. Um, we've got a specific room in there called UK Podcast. And that's a good place to go and discuss the UK podcast. Yep, and I just went in there and started posting today because I saw that Phil was dissing me um, for not uh, paying attention to all the questions we get sent via Twitter on the podcast. Not a diss, if it's true. (laughs) No, it's true. It was true. Just a fact. Um, But it is nice. You can tell us what you think of the podcast. You can ask us questions, and it's all good. Um, Hmm. But we've got a few games to talk about. Phil, you've been playing Goner this week, um, which you have uh, reviewed for uh, the magazine. Uh, You quite liked it. Um, It's pretty good. It is, I think, a 2D roguelike where you play a piece of water um, Mm -hmm. that has to feed a big whale called Sally. Yes. Um, Maybe you could explain it in more depth. Not really, because (laughs) it's... uh, I'm not sure there is much more depth. It's surreal, but not necessarily, like, uh, detailed or good. (laughs) I mean the story specifically. It's it's one of those things where uh, the opening is actually quite confusing anyway. It's quite a a disorienting experience because it doesn't explain anything like what any of its systems are. Right. Um, And a lot of them are quite easy to figure out because they're, you know, if if you pick something up and suddenly you can shoot bullets, you can be pretty sure that's what guns is. But... (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) um, There there are little quirks to it like... uh, when you when you first spawn and you're sort of frolicking with your whale friend, um, who is a hovering land whale, um, called Sally. Called Sally. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you, you're, you you haven't got much agency really. You can sort of just move around and jump a bit, and then you start picking up skulls, and that's sort of part of the upgrade path in that each skull has like different uh, special abilities and um, health values attached to it. Uh, so the, the the basic one you've got, you get like five hearts. Uh, then you pick up another one, which um, gives you a little less maximum health. But whenever you're hit, you don't lose your items. Okay. Uh, because what happens generally is, uh, however, despite you know how many how much health you've got, if you're hit by any enemy, uh, your items sort of just go flying <laughs> about the place, and you've got to pick them up to regain the bonuses you had like you've got to pick up your weapon uh there's a backpack which gives you like a special ability that's on a cooldown and there's the skull which is your health meter essentially Hmm. um and if you get hit without any of them you just die completely and it's the roguelike thing where you sort of you're sent to death's domain to re-pick your loadout and sent on again to to reattempt in procedurally generated levels. Okay, so it is uh, the typical roguelike thing of you lose everything and stuff. Oh again. yeah, um, it's a it's a hard game then. Well, I I mean yes, you lose everything, uh, but it's not unlike say Spelunky where you start with very little and it's about picking up um, 
a collection of items like to give you choices in how you handle things mm. um, this is like there, there are three items to collect um, a head type a weapon and a backpack it is which it gives you the special item there's some special ability and you swap them out if you can find new ones and as soon as you've unlocked one it's available for you to pick on the loadout screen at the start um, okay so it's very much a case of just sort of finding the secrets that build up your potential for each run. Uh, but right. it's so not it's not like you're disadvantaged when you restart necessarily. You can like equip say the powerful laser thing if you find it if you find it once in the game that's just something you can pick at the start of each run then. Oh, that's a nice that's a nice persisting element. Mm. Um yeah, because I guess the more you learn about the game, the kind of more tactical you can be with what you're actually picking yeah i mean um i guess inherent within this but i haven't actually said is that you are shooting things and um killing a whole bunch of like these weird hand-drawn enemy types yeah it's not it's not all frolicking with your whale <laughs> okay um, um yeah it's a, that's a very uh, that's a very good explanation actually because um we on PC Gamer, as readers of the magazine will know very well, uh, use big words in the start of our review. Mm. So you'll see, you'll see in every review the name of the game in the line below this uh, this big header, and that will usually be a pun or some joke in relation to the game. And for this game, we spent about I don't know three hours trying to come up with like one one like two well, word pun yeah, or joke maybe, to, to yeah probably an hour or so. Um, although. Some would argue we never actually managed it. Yeah, we haven't yet done that. <laughs> we but entirely um, cracked it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it becomes more hard when the game is sort of deliberately obtuse. Yes, uh, which this certainly is. I like the art style. Is I guess deliberately evocative of like uh, I guess a, a pre eight bit kind of computers. You know, like um, yeah. I I guess like it's um, sort of quite uh, crudely drawn like vector art models that kind of blob around the place right um but uh, it's kind of like a more i guess surrealist version of say something you get from Vlambeer, who i know like prefer pixel art right generally but there are kind of some similarities to nuclear throne if that wasn't top down if it was like a 2d side scroller in like the way that enemy types function and specifically like in the feel of the combat and like the screen shake okay Flambeer does love some aggressive screen shake when you fire <laughs> a weapon and this has got that same sort of it feels really impactful and kind of frantic when you sort of get right into a fight although there's also kind of a because because of the side scrolling nature and like you know the way you can see yourself approaching these little arenas with lots of enemies in you can kind of mitigate some of the danger by being cautious and taking a few things out from afar before you jump on in yeah okay interesting mm. uh all right then well uh yeah look out for a review of that pc yeah. i mean it's pretty good okay interesting uh Yes, uh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad we reviewed it. So, uh, in the last week or so, we've been going through games from the last year that we mm. didn't uh, quite have time to review at the time because it's January. Nothing's going on. Well, that's it. 2016 was pretty crazy, and I remember like this point last year being having a lot more going on. Like, yeah, I don't think we had time to sort of look back and catch up. It was just a case of straight in with some fairly big indie games or sort of unexpected like hits and that sort of thing. Yeah. Whereas. I think Stardew yeah. Valley was fairly early. Yeah. Oxen um, Free as well. Oxen Free, uh, Pony Island, mm, yeah. which was probably our first like ninety plus game of the year. Mm, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, like it's uh, so you'll, you'll have seen we did a review of uh, Lady Killer in a Bind, which has just come to Steam, a gra mm -hmm. graphic, no visual, visual, visual novel, novel, visual novel, um, which we've uh, yeah wanted to cover for a while. Uh, we reviewed uh, Shadow Tactics as well. Yeah. The uh, what is that like a tactical RPG? Uh, yeah, tactics thing, kind of reminiscent of uh, Commandos. Oh yes, yes. Oh yeah, Commandos, which was way too hard and definitely overrated for the time, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, that may be controversial actually. But, yeah, I never got very far with it, to be fair. The second one was uh, a lot better than the first, I thought. But anyway, uh, yeah, so um, we've been doing a bit of that uh, in the run-up to Resi 7, which mm -hmm. we'll have Andy on to talk about next week. Um, First-person horror game, in uh, and, a, and apparently a sequel to the other ones. In what ways, we'll find out soon, I guess. Um, Phil, should we talk about Space Engineers? Yeah, we could do. Yeah, so um, in the absence of big games, uh, we've been working on our January issue, and it's been a good chance to our February on sale issue rather. It's been a good chance to like do some sort of fun team interaction stuff, which we're trying to do more of on the magazine this year. Yeah, actually, uh, if we want to 
um, sort of divert for a second. One of the questions we got, I don't think it was on your list of questions. Uh, I must have missed it. Specifically about like whether we'd be able to sort of do more sort of silly kind of um, diary style features. Uh, the, the example given was uh, Tom Francis's illusionist in Skyrim. All right. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the, the answer is yes. Um, That's very much a plan for this year, is to broaden our <laughs> kind of scope of things we cover. Yeah, basically, and to have more kind of like, yeah, uh, hijinks, I guess, and like, yeah, uh, diaries with an interesting kind of bent to them, mm. or um, like, in the case of Space Engineers, um, I said to Phil, let's build a spaceship in a slightly janky uh, construction simulator uh, yeah. early access game and um, fly to the moon. And um, I don't want to say whether we did it or not. <laughs> That'd be too much of a giveaway. Um, uh, but you, uh, that will be in the magazine uh, next month anyway. But like, um, it was uh, it was oddly fun, wasn't it? Like, um, it was. It, it's it's. Should we talk about the game? Basically, okay. the, ga- the basic premise of the game. So like, it what is if Minecraft, but space. That's basically it. Yeah. yeah. It's very very simple. Like um, the way things work is if you stick a reactor to a weapon or a light or a thruster it will work automatically like it's lego basically yeah uh, there was an important point i think in uh building our craft where i stopped trying to i I had to sort of mentally step back from kerbal space program and my experience (laughs) with that and realize no this this isn't like this isn't modeling drag or you know <laughs> aerodynamics or any complicated physics. It's no. like gravity is a thing. But <laughs> other than that, because yeah, I, I first turned it on to see if we if it how easy it was to build a spaceship. Mm. And what I did was I got a cockpit, one block, and a thruster, <laughs> and then taped two reactors to the sides, and then put a gyroscope on top. I don't know what that is, but I never worked out. Sounds what that important. Did. Yeah. <laughs> And then just got in to see if it would move, and it did. But it was more like a land speeder than a spaceship. And so from there, um, yeah, we kind of just tried to build a spaceship that could have us both inside and get us off the planet, which was quite hard um, to work out how to do. Yeah, we had a few failed attempts to get mm. off world, didn't we? We yeah, well yeah, there were a couple of times when I think originally I thought we didn't have enough power, or you know, because because I was still operating under false pretenses of what was of required science, to get, yes. yeah, of what science was. <laughs> um, turns out the answer is actually putting the cockpit on the right way around. Yeah, and like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's so you're not flying upside down. <laughs> we basically built this big spaceship out of like red and black blocks because obviously we're a PC gamer and that's us being on brand um, which is very important Nerds. to us obviously <laughs> yeah pretty much um, and then yes it, it turned out that I, we built this big spaceship not realising the game had a speed limit we tried to put as yes. many thrusters on it as possible thinking okay we don't know how, how to actually play this game but we need to get out of the Earth's atmosphere, so I guess we should stick as many on as possible and it basically ended up being like this that's another classic Kerbal tactics. <laughs> it looked a bit like um, that uh, truck in Mad Max that has the guitar man on it. Yeah, it was that kind of um, headliner of download <laughs> festival wall of amplifiers kind of thing. Yeah, it's like oh, it's like yeah, 2006 and Razorlight might appear on it. <laughs> um, it's the worst thing ever. Um, so it was. How was Razorlight your go-to for loud rock music? <laughs> it was because I uh, I read this thing about. Johnny Borrell, Borrell yesterday on Vice about where he went through like land, or was it? Um, oh, the landfill land ending. That's a good piece. That it's a good piece. I've read yeah. it before, but I was, um, I just, I for some reason wanted to revisit it. So, <laughs> the heady days of crap indie rock. It was because I got very angry about the Libertines the other day. I just, the, just the idea of them, particularly. Don't look back into the, the sun. <laughs> yeah, just how much time everyone wasted on Pete Doherty in like um, 2005 and six. I suddenly got really angry about that for no reason. I realise I'm on a tangent here, but like, I um, think, yeah, I think like th- th- there's not a huge. <laughs> gap between us but I think it is summed up in the fact that you can sometimes get angry about the Libertines where they just weren't on my radar at all <laughs> you'd already moved on by that point Pretty much. Were, were Arctic Monkeys as well like a thing that were kind of behind you rather than in front of you yeah I just caught the end crest of Arctic Monkeys I think okay um, yeah but I think you're only like two years older than me aren't you it's not really well, a this, that's it yeah it was I mean sometimes I get angry about hard fi <laughs> they did do a song called Cash Machine <laughs> which is like pretty much the worst name for a song I, I saw him li- I saw him live once before you know they were big and they were bad then yeah I can imagine their, their entire rise to fame annoyed me they're kind of like uh, we realise we're deep into a tangent here but one final point on hard fight <laughs> <laughs> 
I, yes. I, th- I thought they looked like if like some lads from the school football team decided, well, we're in a band now, and just started playing. Yeah, that it was, was kind of like what their deal was. Very much that. There was a, a moment at the end of their gig where uh, they were doing the encore or something, and the singer <laughs> finished his pit, and he just dropped the mic and walked off while the rest of the band finished playing. <laughs> I just sat there thinking, mate, you're in like you're you're not even in a proper venue. We're just like in a cafe somewhere. <laughs> you have not got the the, the kind of cultural cachet to pull this manoeuvre off. <laughs> Do you think they ever get self-conscious about using cash machines? Because they did a song called Cash Machine. <laughs> Sorry, I'll get back to Space Engineers now. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, basically me and Phil built a spaceship and yeah, I put the cockpits on the wrong way around and it only really occurred to me <laughs> After like I got in and thought, well, why is why am I looking at the sky instead of sideways where it was parked? And then it, I mean, we took off like three or four times. We took off three or four we realized times. This. It, it wasn't until I got in. I was <laughs> like, wait, why are the why are they those at the bottom? <laughs> yeah. Why are the engines at the bottom of the cockpit? How does that? Do you, do you know what the worst thing was, Phil? Is that I got in the cockpit, right? And it was facing the wrong way around. And my first thought was, bloody janky survival <laughs> early access game. <laughs> it was nothing to do with the game. I put the cockpits on the wrong way around. But in my defense, when you see the piece in the magazine, the script, the, you'll see that the cockpit does sort of look right from the side in terms of aesthetic. Although, mm. I suppose going into it, you probably won't see it that way. But And also, that's a really lousy defense, I think. I did put them on the wrong way around. Um, I, I sort of like, it's one of those games where I bought it in a, a Steam sale and I never really wanted to play it. Um, um, for more than about five minutes yeah. and then really regretted it and then managed to make Phil play it with me to justify my purchase. But um, So at least we've done that. We have. And it's it's not too bad. I can see why someone might enjoy the kind of like craft aspect of it. You know? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where, and fair enough, like there's a whole base building thing as far as I can tell as well that we just didn't bother with. Um so I don't know how much there is there if you are just pottering around on your own, but yeah. I do wonder like how how entertaining any of that would be if you weren't just mucking about with a mate, yeah, as opposed yeah. to you know. It was funny because you were there. If it was by myself, I might have been very sad. <laughs> I think like one of the things that uh, Minecraft did well was it like had enough going on within its range of options that you could just muck about on your own for a bit, and then uh, I know it's sort of big now for the crazy multiplayer servers and YouTube yeah. and whatever whatever people play Minecraft these days but th- there was like a while there where it was quite a kind of relaxing peaceful way to go about your day yeah yeah uh, yeah for sure and uh, yeah it's sort of I'm not quite sure this has that same appeal but if you picked it up for like a fiver in a steam sale or something I mean I definitely feel like I got about a fiver's worth of fun out of that afternoon just uh, yeah if you've got a friend yeah. build a ship together I mean, climb in go to the moon see how it works out the survival mode might be interesting as well like trying trying to do what we did with those restrictions part i mean it would have been impossible i guess because you were just on a seat in space for I, uh, a bit. yeah there was no i was not in a contained environment phil no. thought it'd be funny if we put like we a needed viewing, a viewing platform yeah <laughs> phil just put a viewing platform on top of the spaceship that i just sat down on uh, whilst the ship took off out of the atmosphere and you would you would hope in survival mode that would kill me i assume that would kill you I, in, in survival mode i died by like jetpacking too fast into a wall so you know <laughs> yeah I, I, do you remember when i got out of the sea in, in space yes and then you had to come pick me back up from earth because i fell down from yeah, space if, to if earth. the other thing hadn't killed you that would have killed you yes um, i think that i think it would be i think it sounds like it would be too harsh for a survival game because i think that it's not easy enough to control to really justify that and just possibly think about- you had real trouble with the jetpack though but yeah, I wonder oh, no. if there was something broken about my, uh, I don't know, maybe I just had it calibrated wrong or something. But, um, yeah, I really did struggle with it. Yeah. But then I did put a cockpit on backwards. So, it, you know, it, I, I could be accused of being an idiot and a, and a fool and, you know, all the rest of it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. If you could get that cheap, it's, it might be it might be worth a go with a friend. But it's not, it doesn't, I don't really recommend it. It was just uh, a fun mm. thing to do. Um, yes, it might yeah. be a game that YouTubers enjoy broadcasting for the lols because I think that's what YouTubers do, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Like uh, you could, you, if if you like Twitch streaming, you could get a few fun Twitch streams out of that, probably. Yes, but yeah, I don't think there's enough game there based on what I saw, which admittedly was 
you know, a few hours of mucking about with a very specific purpose. And there is apparently some kind of campaign in there as well. I don't know what that entails. But, okay, um, yeah. But yes, and you can build bases as well as spaceships. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, cool. So that was another thing we played. Um, I was going to move on to the questions, Phil. I could say that I've been playing Oxen Free, but it's such an old game now. Um, I don't know what the value uh, of it would be. I don't know. Like, how, how are you finding it? Because I would be... Like, I really enjoyed it when I played it. I thought, like, it had such kind of uh, uh, this very distinct quite um, affecting atmosphere it's like one of those games that really stuck with me all through the year right yeah um, um, and I don't think it got talked about much like it yeah. just missed out on our end of year list I think so it's one of those games that I think everyone assumed was some kind of cult hit because games journalists were talking about it but mm. I don't necessarily think it was that big a thing no um, so everyone who has played it at, at uh, Future where we work uh, recommends it uh, to me and you know and, and has recommended to me for a while um, and it is this 2D sort of adventure with a lot of voice acting and yeah. dialogue choices and you go to this island and weird shit starts happening and you're there with a bunch of friends and a couple of people you don't get on with as well mm. and then the kind of story plays out from there um, and it's very very stylish art direction um, and the music is uh, quite well judged uh, sort of like indie electro as well yeah it's got a really good soundtrack oh god do you know what I can't describe music what the hell What I, I can never do this well judged well indie, judged electro. indie what electro what the hell was that <laughs> that was rubbish <laughs> Anyway, yeah, well, we're, I yeah. Uh, so the soundtrack is good, is what I'm saying yeah, basically. Um, but the voice acting is extraordinary. It's mm. really, really good, and especially because like the characters aren't animated with like mouth movements or anything. Because it's, it's it's pulled out quite far. It looks like a point and click adventure. Um, and I suppose it kind of is, but yeah, it has that. It has you know some of that DNA in it. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't say like the voice acting felt natural, like in a Firewatch sense, but it's definitely it it definitely feels professional. Like it like. Like you're watching a TV show. Yeah. I, I get that. I got that feel from it, which mm, yeah. does set it apart from games. Like the people talking over each other and kind of interrupting each other, and that, that comes across quite smoothly. Yes. Where as opposed to like uh, that dialogue section ends and then there's a pause and then the next dialogue section begins, which games often do. Yeah. It's sort of like, I think that's a bit of a, it's a bit fraught in places in terms of like, because a dialogue choice will fade out as someone's talking and you end, you end up talking over them even though you haven't heard all of what they're going to say yet and mm. that is kind of maybe more realistic but uh, it's also slightly jarring to get used to but um, I'm not, I don't really have a problem with that, I think it's great, um, I'm really enjoying it and it's a sort of ideal thing to pick up in a Steam sale um, because the uh, the kind of the suggested kind of like weird elements going on on this island are actually really compelling and cool mm. and presented in quite a spooky interesting way yeah. um, and that's uh, yeah that's definitely impressive and I think the writing's great as well yeah. um, because when adults try and write young people uh, they're all they're all kind of like college or like high school kids these um these characters mm. they tend you know it tends to be of the time in a kind of like 90s teen drama sort of way or you know it sounds like you're or you kind of go slightly down the life is strange route of saying hella uh, even though you're ultimately been sincere and people you know obviously love that game and fair enough it's great um, but this kind of like does really good timeless teenage yeah. dialogue like I I mean maybe there are some stronger hints later in the game but I can't exactly pin down where it's when it's set it could be anywhere from like the 80s through to like the near future like mm. it's actually hard to tell from what I've played so far and from the dialogue you wouldn't be able to pin down exactly when it was but it's still they still sound like young people it's a it's a weird thing to pick out but like I just find that really impressive because it's because they're arguing about pointless relationship stuff yeah and that's always going on isn't it really always going on yeah. even when it's so not the right time for it <laughs> <laughs> because of existential threats <laughs> So that's cool. I've been playing that. I also been playing Reigns. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Have you played any of that? Film? I haven't played any of that. I think it's like two pound twenty nine on Steam, um, or whatever the dollar equivalent is, like mm. three ninety nine or something. Uh, although not anymore by uh, <laughs> UK and US currency prices. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's uh, it it is basically a kind of like a card game where you govern this kingdom and you use this kind of Tinder like. Uh, 
swipe left or right uh, mechanic. Sorry, sorry, Tony. <laughs> to um, make choices that uh, shape the fate of your kingdom, you basically have to balance the interests of the church, of the uh, your your coffers, basically the money, your treasury, uh, the people's happiness, and the military's happiness. Okay. And if any one of those, basically they've they've got this kind of bar that goes up and down. So a choice might. Uh, some merchant will say we want to sell wares in the cathedral or whatever this is just a hypothetical example and if you say um, yes that uh, the uh, the church might not be happy with that because it's their land or whatever but basically it will tell you that it will have an effect on these certain things and then you make the decision and then the bars move up and down if you run out of money then you're bankrupt and then landowners take over the kingdom if you give the church too much power then they um they uh, kill you and take over i think that's mostly what happens the military will stage a coup um so you can't let any of them get too powerful or basically too unhappy Mm. um or you basically you you die or you have to flee or whatever uh, and it's really interesting because there's a whole bunch of different um, ways you can go. So the first time I died was because I didn't properly control a plague, and I think I got like gangrene and died. And um, it's quite dark. And uh, every kind of like time you die, your your you, your successor takes your place. Okay. Um, so yeah, you kind of, and then you get called like I don't know uh, Frederick the coward or whatever, and then it will kind of give you a yeah a name in relation to how your reign went, and then the timeline keeps going. So, so it's like that. What was that rogue like? Um, uh, sh- oh, shadow. Uh, no, do you mean the rogue um, legend? Something like. Oh no, I'm thinking of um, the Infinity Blade. Is what I'm thinking of. Where you play your successor every time. Oh right, yeah, okay. Yeah, but that was an iPad game. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was thinking of that um, rogue like where uh, you play like a knight, and each time you die, you become his like son or daughter, and you've got to pick randomly like selected genetic traits or. Okay, I, I don't know what that is. It's not Rogue Legacy, is it? Might be Rogue Legacy. The name very much suggests that. Yeah, that yeah. sounds right. I think I might. Have, I think I played that briefly, like a couple of years ago. But um, yeah, it's not great to be honest. But <laughs> I do like that idea as a kind of yeah, storytelling yeah. device, though. Even though the logic of it doesn't really work, because you come into power and your kingdom's fine again. So it's not like you know there are any there's any long lasting consequences. I guess it's nice, like especially in like these permadeath or you know, type things. It's a nice way of having easy access to the history of like your mistakes i guess yeah for sure and yeah. It, it does give you a sense of continuity so it's not just a blank slate every time you start again mm. um so i do like the idea of that and I, it's very it's uh, the writing's very good i think as well um and the idea the fundamental idea and the the, the kind of like feeling of making a decision actually feels good because obviously okay. it was kind of made for touchscreen uh as yeah. well as um uh, pc um, but obviously, you know, playing up PC is uh, it's no big deal. I mean, you mentioned like specifically like everything that can happen with the deaths. So I guess like throughout, it's all like choices and the, the there's writing based on the decisions and that is it. The story sort of carries on all the way through because the actual the sort of action sounds a bit like it's a lot of resource management based around these three factions. It's um, um it's. Uh, it doesn't have any kind of like continuous story elements. Okay. Um, the the one actually the one exception to that is if you start a crusade, then your when you take over that can still be in effect. Mm-hmm. So your money will always go up, but the people's happiness will always go down when you start a crusade. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, that that aside, there's not there's not really any persistent element other than. Uh, by making certain decisions, you can unlock new kind of card sets. So I've met, I've met the devil, for example. Okay. Um, and starting the crusade unlocked a bunch of new cards as well, and new characters who come to you asking for certain things. That's cool. And so yeah, like um, I, I, it's it's made it con- kind of continuously interesting because there are so many kind of weird uh, little things that happen now that um, you can start taking these kind of like mushrooms where all of the character cards will then look warped like the people will look like animals and the things they're saying to you will be really wild and yeah it's uh it, there's a whole uh dungeon exploration element that yeah. i don't know what's down there but you you get into these battles with skeletons and you have to choose what moves to use and that bit i don't really understand but um i've never reached the end of that dungeon but right, i okay. assume there's something down there that's kind of interesting um, I had one of my favorite scenarios was like a dragon uh, attacks uh, like a nearby village, uh, like a mountain village, and you go there and stop it, and it's unusually easy. And it turns out that 
the military did it to boost your self-esteem i think <laughs> and like you, they staged the whole thing and like it costs loads of money and because of what choice you make uh, you basically can lose loads of cash or make people unhappy and uh, stuff like that i really like it's sort of it's yeah, not meant nice. to be taken that seriously yeah, but yeah but I think it's really good fun for like um, just a couple of quid. Mm. Like, uh, yeah, I, I really like it and, uh, and recommend it. Tony um, Ellis on PC Gamer really enjoyed it as well, to the point where he was angry he didn't come up with the idea himself and make that game. Oh, no. And then he ended up looking up the sales on Steam Spy and was like, that guy's got two houses now. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was really funny. Um, that's very Tony, isn't it? Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so I recommend that, Phil. Have you been playing anything else? Uh, I have been playing a lot of Elite um, after the whole alien thing happened. Uh, I've not actually met any aliens uh, because I went to where um, sightings have been reported and jumped around a bit and then realised I, I could be doing this forever. It could be based on like a 0.001% chance of it happening. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go and do something else. But I don't mean something else with my life. I mean something else in the Elite. <laughs> That's fair enough. Uh, which I did. Um uh, it's still it's still a very strange game for me um, because uh, so many of its systems seem designed to just kind of stop you from doing what you want. Like I want an expensive ship and to just go exploring the universe a bit, but actually getting to that point involves a lot of grinding to get money, like through the, the mission system and the faction reputation system. Um, They've added uh, a new thing, the passenger lounge, in a recent update, uh, the Guardians update, which I think was like the last major one in October or something. That's part of their Horizon season pass. Yeah, thing. it's part of the whole Horizons thing, yeah. um, and that lets you equip your ship with a um, passenger cabin of various uh, qualities to transport people around the place uh, or take them on little sightseeing adventures. The sightseeing adventures are weird in the a guy's like oh yeah I really want to go and see this place but what he actually means is I want you to go to that place's visitor beacon and scan it and that's enough for him and it's like it's, it's not a holiday mate it's like <laughs> you've gone to you've gone to Spain and you've gone to the tourist information centre and browsed a couple of leaflets and gone home <laughs> without actually doing the, the bit of the holiday that's the holiday. That's a bit weird. It is weird, but yeah. I, I guess you've got to abstract these things out because yeah. <laughs> otherwise it just gets complicated. Um, At least one of those games that I really um, appreciate and, and I'm glad has found an audience because it's such a... Uh, obviously, I, by that I mean like, you know, or retained its audience from uh, decades ago when it was created um, mm. and has found new, people, new players now because it's such a specific thing in their uh, kind of like vision of... Uh, their representation of space is so kind of exciting and like uh, dramatic audio visually. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, they're really good at all that stuff and like at selling the size of space. I think like looking yeah. at the galaxy map is kind of mind bending. Just thinking of the number of stars just everywhere and what that represents in terms of yeah reality and uh, it, it gives me a headache sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at the uh, yeah the 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 infinite nature of our universe and had a slight migraine. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So um, is there anything that's kind of really kind of locked you in, or you, you're kind of pursuing that you find of interest then at the moment in Elite? Um, I th this is the thing. It's, I I think I had a vague goal in mind, and then I kind of just fell into the Elite hole where I was playing it because it was something to play. Yeah. Um, and it's a very easy game to sort of get lost in for a few hours because of the, the way its mission system works you know as you as you're dropping off one objective you're in exactly the place to pick up even more and you sort of just end up bouncing around the place and then you just realize oh i'm just i'm just space trucking now yeah, yeah and yeah. it's like uh, if i was going to be if i was going to be trucking anywhere it'd be in euro truck simulator <laughs> where the act of actually trucking is slightly better than the act of super cruising in elite which right. is quite a stressful thing because it's all about judging changing maximum speeds and distances and it's like oh it's ugh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm either going to stop or kind of change course a bit because, yeah, uh, uh, I'm not sure I'm actually enjoying it at this point. Yeah. Just because of how much I've been playing it over the last week. There was a period where it was definitely really nice to catch up with it, but I, I'm not sure it's entirely for me in terms of long term getting sucked into like the the end game systems and the, the the reputation systems and all the stuff that it promises you could actually function as like uh, a, an interesting and deep end game that yeah. is just sort of 
feels from where I am in it in its sort of progression so far away that it's just not worth getting to that point. Oh right, okay. Well, that's fair enough. Mm. Um, but uh, yes, it's one of those games. I'm I'm pleased it exists and like uh, it continues to have more interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think um, seeing like what they've added over the past few I think the last time I played it was Horizons where they added the planet landing and I sort of went in and thought oh that's interesting is that like early last year I think yeah probably yeah um, it's weird because they don't seem to have expanded much on the whole planetary landing system or whatever there doesn't seem to be much more there okay um, the, the rest of Horizons has mostly been like adding different features like uh, there are engineers now where you can go and um, trade materials to get like randomly generated upgrades for your ship parts or there's um, you can get NPC crew members who will um, launch out AI controlled fighters from your ship yeah which sounds cool Mm, yeah that sounds sounds pretty good so I think it's something like I'll pop in like with each major update now just sort of see how it's progressed yeah Um, but I think I'm still waiting for the point where there's enough of that stuff in there, like yeah. a, a broad enough range of that sort of stuff that I could actually persist with it. Uh, without knowing much about its exact kind of current status, like, um, do you think they could be on the brink of doing like another uh, kind of like content, bit of content, or another season pass like Horizons where it's themed around like the kind of alien stuff that they've they've shown so yeah, far? I don't know or... whether that's going actually. Um, that will be interesting because it does sort of. If it is the Thargoids, I think the Thargoids in like um, first encounter were pretty aggressive generally. Yeah. So it could be that they're moving like the universe, the the galaxy into a more kind of conflict-centered storyline. Yeah. Um, which could be like a, a kicking-off point for like a, a new season type thing. It was certainly, you know, it certainly grabs people, grab people's attention. The uh, the appearance of aliens. Mm. Um, yeah, cool. We'll keep an eye on it then, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's worth keeping an eye on. Um, it's a, another another good game for just spending sort of a relaxing day doing nothing. <laughs> Whilst watching uh, The West Wing on another screen. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> okay. Always, always a good day to watch The West Wing on another screen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, cool. Uh, fair enough. It's uh, it's what that TV show uh, deserves. No, I'm only joking. Uh, only if you've seen it once before. Uh <laughs> We're okay. rambling again. <laughs> yeah, we are, yeah. Not about hard fire this time, which is good. Mm. Um, okay, so I'm going to go straight to the reader questions now. I've okay. some quite good ones this week. Um, not through Twitter, I should point out. Uh, <laughs> actually, we had, a couple, we had a few good ones through Twitter, yeah, but we're still, getting, we're still getting a lot of hardware questions. And one guy asked about uh, Donald Trump, and I just thought, what's that got to do with the UK podcast? You had to work pretty hard to work that one in. It was tenuous, for sure. It was definitely, yeah. It was uh, crowbarred in. Okay, cool. Um, how are you guys feeling about the Xbox slash Windows 10 Play Anywhere? Used it much? Like it? That's from Dave Aubrey. Um, so, Phil, you're the only, uh, the only person human ever who has ever does. done this. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been good Good for Forza Horizon 3. Uh, yeah. Which is, I think, the only time I've actually used it. Yeah. Uh, your computer is right next to your PC, more or less, isn't it, in your flat? Yes. Okay. So, uh, to what extent does it kind of benefit you? Like, uh... Uh, in that sense, very, very, very little. Yeah. Uh, I've mostly played Forza Horizon Three on my PC actually, because now they've uh, sort of fixed up a lot of some of the, some of the issues uh, surrounding its performance. It's yeah. kind of just a better experience, like on. Um, the, the frame make, makes the big difference in something like a, ref, a racing game and have, having it on a 1440p monitor running at like 120 frames per second is just nice. Yeah, of course. Um, so actually, yeah, it, it made a difference for a bit but maybe that was just me kind of thinking oh, I'm going to test this feature and yeah, it works perfectly which is nice. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how much use I'd get out of it. Yeah, it's... Yeah. It, I realised that I think this week they just announced that uh, Resident Evil Seven is one of the games getting it, um, and I think fundamentally I don't I don't really know who would who would who, who wanted hmm. to play it on PC and would get that to get the Windows Ten version as opposed to just buying on Steam. And for the person who has an Xbox and a PC, I don't know. I mean, it's the sort of game you probably only need to play once or so. I, it's a bit weird, isn't yeah, it? I, yeah, it is strange. Like, I, it's. 
but that's not to look a gift horse in the mouth because if you if you want that's uh, you know that's you've got it on PC forever you've got an Xbox you know even having that option though I think I'd just get the Steam version probably yeah yeah um, which is how I felt about um, Quantum Break I was like okay this is uh, I can get out of the Windows Store system doing this yeah I think Microsoft will at some point address the fact that the Windows Store is not a good platform for like selling games or downloading games. Yeah, um, well, I've never, but then I've never used the Xbox app on uh, Windows 10, and maybe that's got some function for it. I'm not sure. Uh, it doesn't at the moment. I mean, it feels like they could build some in, and it wouldn't be too like over the top, or it wouldn't feel particularly like. I guess I guess the danger with doing something like that is people would scream games for Windows Live, and that would bring the whole thing tumbling down. But yeah, well, it's like, not like it's like it's not like it's caught, the world's caught fire yet the off the back of it. Current Xbox integration within things like Forza Horizon is pretty tame. Like right. um, I don't think it's possible. Yeah, you've probably got to sign up for a gamer tag, but beyond that, it doesn't feel like. I'm not experiencing any of the issues I have against Windows Live. Yeah. Or, or it, and it doesn't feel like, you know, you're part of this really sluggish ecosystem or anything. Yeah. The Xbox app does have problems, like in terms of its message client is garbage and stuff like that. Mm. Um, like if you were playing multiplayer with somebody through the Xbox Live thing, it's probably still worth opening a Skype channel or something just to get yeah. good voice chat and everything. <laughs> Um, which is, yeah, I mean, it's damning, but it's not terrible. Um, there you go. That's a, that's a pretty good uh, judgment on it, really, isn't it? I think Forza yeah, has been quite... a breakout for them, though, in terms of like their success on PC. Like, I don't think anyone paid attention to Quantum Break, but I think that mm. Forza has been like a thing that made people go, well, that's worth it to play that, you know? That's yeah, it. definitely. Like, It's been the best game... I mean, it's the best game Microsoft Game Studios has released the last year or so, which yeah. is about how long they've been doing this anyway. Yeah, and on Xbox and since they launched the Xbox One, really. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, still, uh, still worth it. Okay, cool. Hopefully that answers your question. Um, what are the most controversial opinions you each hold about PC gaming in general hmm. or rankings of games and series? That's from Beggy B. Um, I... Uh, uh, I, I hate the vanishing of Ethan Carter, but that's not that uh, controversial because yeah, not many people have played it. A few people are up and down on that. Oh, this is rubbish. I thought it was just... Yeah, I just thought the environments were nice, but the story was terrible. Badly acted, not interesting mystery, and with some dreadful puzzles in there as well. And it made, and it put me off gaming for two months, so <laughs> that's my that's as, as damning as I could get. Yeah, that is as bad. That is, <laughs> like, if you think, if, even a bad game, you'd think if there's one thing it can do, it won't completely diminish your enthusiasm for games as a medium. <laughs> yeah, so. but that might be a Samuel Roberts problem as opposed to the game. So. <laughs> what about you, Phil? Do you have any controversial um, opinions? I think New games are by and large better than old games. I know some people get very angry when you suggest that, but yeah, like I'd say, like with the exception of a few genres, like uh, the RTS, where I think a lot of the better games in that genre are from the past by the nature of yeah, the fact that's, that by the nature of the fact that Red Alert Two is in the past, <laughs> and that the genre's <laughs> gone out of fashion generally, um, so there aren't loads of them around now. Mm. Um, but even then, like StarCraft Two was quality. Yes, yes. That's the, obviously you know, with the exception of StarCraft. But yeah, CNC doesn't really exist anymore. Age of Empires doesn't exist. You know, Rise of Nations. These games, you know, they're they're very much like you know, uh, at least a decade old now. Mm. Um, yeah, but like RPGs, I'm not sure old RPGs are necessarily better than new ones. Yeah, you know, there are good new RPGs. I think BioWare's still good. That's yes. quite a controversial opinion these days. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. I think it's hard that, to tell, isn't it? Yeah, I think I, I I'm very much uh, pro Bioware as well. Even though I, you know, I think that Inquisition's got some problems with like SideQuest design for sure. Oh yeah, and the, obviously there's the hinterlands. <laughs> um, uh, but yes, it's um, they they're still doing very good. You know, creating great characters with interesting kind of like dialogue options and like these gorgeous settings and you know these uh, admittedly are RPG light by the standards of Baldur's Gate kind of like uh, combat and progression systems but that's still great um, controversial controversial I, you were telling me earlier that you think character shooter design is garbage <laughs> so well, I just sort of uh, I don't uh, I don't mean to uh, 
And I, I kind of like I. It's just one of those things where like uh, the the language of it I don't really get in terms of design. Like it seems it it's got a very kind of grab baggy nature. Mm-hmm. And like I saw a particularly bad one earlier. I won't say what it was, but like I got I think a press release or something for it. And I just thought, what is that? It was just an array of like they look like crayon drawings by like a four year old. And I thought like you can't just have a giraffe with a jetpack and say that his name's uh, Jonathan and, <laughs> and he's like and he's a medic like I just I don't, this is like that's kind of like that's kind of my point but I um I also appreciate that uh it allows for some quite uh, diverse representation in these games and uh particularly with the case of Overwatch that they, those characters can really capture people's imagination yeah I guess so. the danger sometimes is that they don't always feel like they're part of the same universe and it is just like the pick and mix assortment of yeah but uh, but then like you know the the alternative is you've got some really boring ass uh, sci-fi games out there with generic kind of industrial character designs yeah, so or battlefield with its like oh the medic, he's such a character in that, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, Mo- assault, what a guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. With yeah. his yellow goggles, I think. <laughs> Which is fair enough. I got um I uh I I just thought of one actually. I but then actually a lot of the ones I a lot of things I think about console games being overrated. I absolutely hate the Dragon Quest series on uh that Square Enix make. But that's not on PC. Okay. Yeah. That's... And um and I, well, I it's perfect then because you get to kick a critical <laughs> darling without actually upsetting any of our readers. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other things like shit on some console games. I, I will say actually that I do think that the puzzle game, the puzzle design for all point and click games from the '90s was total garbage. <laughs> and Phil, you must agree with me. Yeah, uh, having having tried to play Day of the Tentacle, actually even Broken Age, I just like going into part two of Broken Age. Uh, people had already warned me that um, the quest design had like the difficulty being wrapped up and made more '90s style to appease like that section of the Kickstarter funders. Yeah. Uh, so I just went in with a guide and just had it there whenever I got bored of looking for something. Mm. And that was the right thing to do because, you know, these games that you can just sort of enjoy for their story and humour and stuff, I don't I don't need, like, these really arbitrary roadblocks. Yeah. That's uh, that's interesting. God, maybe I don't have controversial opinions. But the writing in uh, those games is why I play them anyway. Mm. The writing, the characters and the worlds, you know. Um... I uh, don't really have. I haven't really enjoyed a Telltale game since The Walking Dead. I think they're. I've found them all. They, I've bounced off of all of them. Although I haven't played Borderlands yet, actually. That's the one everyone like. Beyond The Walking Dead, that's the one everyone seems to think is good. I've not played it either, but it's the only one I would consider playing. I think at this point. Yeah, I think I might have articulated this when I ranted about Batman once, but like. Um, I think that the fact that The Walking Dead's kind of like uh, morality reputation system mm. of like such and such will remember that. The fact that every one of their games does that, even though it's so clearly designed for The Walking Dead's yeah. fiction specifically, really just seems like... Uh, I mean, if you've got Batman build a new system that is about Batman, instead they're doing the same thing and like... Um, and I, I can kind of empathise with people's frustration at those games in a lot of ways. If you can tell a story with Batman and you tell that story, you've you've wasted it. I'd mm. kill I'd kill to write a Batman video game. That should be the that should be the best damn story in it. Just it's lame. It's really lame. It's actually worse than Gotham, which is a terrible TV show. Um, so yeah, uh, but that's not really that controversial either because I think people are, are, do feel that way about. No, maybe I don't have them, Phil. Um, do you have any? Or should we move on? I'm trying to think of any more. Um, do you like? I quite like Deus Ex: Invisible War. Invisible <laughs> War's right. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I quite like Dragon Age too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I like Dragon Age too as well. <laughs> there you go. But people probably know that's that by now. Yeah, I think we've we've really hammered that point home. We have. Yeah, that's uh, as Phil uh, has explained. That's kind of like our equivalent of uh, "Come at me, bro" uh, from PC Gamer. <laughs> Okay, uh, what are your thoughts on the alleged indie apocalypse? Um, what do you reckon is going to happen with the market being so sat- oversaturated? That's from Vader Dev. Um, so this is a thing that uh, I think I have seen a lot of indie devs talk about to the point yeah. where, and not just the kind of crazy ones who moan all the time, <laughs> the ones who are like you know who I uh, you, you know follow and really enjoy their games, like the kind of discoverability thing, um, and the amount of games on Steam is something that they do worry about. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of ways of seeing this problem because a lot of people also think that you know Steam should be more of a um, take more of a curatorial role, be more of a gatekeeper for its for, for the sake of its customers. Yeah, and I don't think I agree really. Mm. Um, 
I could see, I mean I could see that frustration if Steam had ever taken a curatorial approach. Yeah. Uh, but that's not what happened. Like there's been garbage games on Steam almost as long as there's been third party games on Steam. Like, yeah. Because it used to be that Valve would sign deals with publishers and all those publishers' games could get on there by default. Yeah. Uh, but if you're an indie, you know, you had to go through what I imagine was quite a frustrating process because it means actually getting in contact with someone from Valve, which is a difficult thing to do by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, uh, it's uh, it's a very tricky one. Like, I don't, I don't know what the solution is if you're an indie dev and you release a game and no one pays attention to that game and you lose a lot of money on it and uh, you know you can't get the press to write about your game because you don't have the profile or the mm. cachet. Like I, I don't know what the answer is to that. Like um, certain things just take off, and we've only got so much time from like uh, you know us as kind of like tastemakers only have so much time to seek out new and interesting things. And there are obviously loads and loads of games out there. So I don't know if there's a solution to that, but I appreciate that the market is flooded now more than ever. <sighs> there's was. no easy solution. I think. <laughs> I think the problem is like how focused everyone is on Steam as a marketplace. Because I don't know, it's hard to know if there are more games now than there were. Like yeah. people have always been making indie games or weird bedroom games or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's just they weren't as they were sort of out of sight and out of mind. And now that they're in sight, I don't know if that makes things worse it seems like that is kind of better technically yeah I mean, it means like the range of options are there um everyone has in an ideal system everyone is sort of on equal footing there yeah. but at the same time there's a lot of legacy systems that really aren't perfect for handling this stuff and like green light is not helpful i don't think uh it still sort of exists yeah and the fact that it sort of exists seems to be quite um problematic for game developers indie game developers specifically because there's now been the rise of these sort of publishers who only sort of exist to get you through green light um, and a lot of them like hype up their ties to the press or their um, how easily it is for them to get games through green light but there are obviously legit indie publishers as well you know oh no there's yeah. loads of legit indie publishers yeah. but there are publishers who won't do as much as the best indie publishers yeah. who can you know get people get like desperate developers to sign through them because people see green light as this roadblock that yeah. they need to overcome and I don't know it's I'm not saying like they're bad or anything or they're doing anything wrong it's just that maybe indie developers are choosing deals that aren't right for them just because the ecosystem that's developed isn't what it should be yeah that's a much more informed answer than my one actually um yeah uh, where i was just sort of uh, just saying what people said on twitter which is really not very useful at all um but yeah i suppose i i I've, i haven't thought about green light for about two years and i i guess i'm not really aware of what kind yeah, of like challenges it still exists and games get through there pretty rapidly and there was a time when we'd report on like oh like uh, 10 or more games have gone through green light yeah and just like nobody cares anymore because yeah it's, it's, true. It, it's an, almost an invisible process but it's not not if you're in it, I guess. Like, if you're in it, it is probably quite uh, nerve-wracking to have to, you know, to know whether you're in uh, the, the group that somehow makes it. There's still yeah. a lot of uh, systems that aren't entirely transparent on Valve's part with regards to things like Greenlight and stuff like that. Yeah. And to an extent, it's also in their corner to sort of keep honing the discoverability stuff there. Yeah. And to, you know find ways of ensuring that games that people will like are getting through them yeah um, I, and yeah it's on us as well to actually seek out the games that people will enjoy but just you know from the um, from what we were discussing earlier about how we had games to mop up in January that was a very that's a very cursory mm. uh, look oh, at the stuff we might have missed last yeah. year like you know um, Lady Killer in a Bind that's from a you know a very high profile acclaimed developer uh, Shadow Tactics was you know a massive hit on Steam uh, before yeah, yeah, you know before like we reviewed it in that number case. one number two game like it wasn't yeah and so it wasn't an unknown yeah and Gonner is uh, from a, an indie publisher as well I believe and like um, 
yeah, so it, you know, it's it's sort of uh, it's it, it's hard to find this stuff. There's d- doubtless, uh, doubtlessly, like tons of games we missed from last year that are really cool. But oh yeah, for sure. There is obviously only so much time. Um, I wasn't meant to be as depressing an answer as uh, it turned out to be. But um, the um, Tom Marks from the US team does do a roundup of like five games you might have missed on that release on Steam each week. Yeah, that's a good cool thing to check out. Check out things like that and um, check out like the featured game section on itch.io and. Uh, like smaller storefronts because you know there's interesting stuff out there yeah Um, also I will say actually to our listeners if you do find cool stuff that you think we might like you can always like tweet at us and and tell us or you know drop it into our discord channel or whatever Um, that's I'm Samuel W. Roberts on Twitter Phil you're Uh, at Octader which is O-C-T-A-E-D-E-R yep you're welcome to do that Um, you know uh, obviously like that's that's how you find this stuff is you you tell people about it that's how indie hits become indie hits Mm. you know um, okay, cool. Uh, with mods being a staple of PC gaming, what is your favourite mod for any game and why? That's from Max Ursa. I realised I didn't think of an answer for this. Damn, I came in. yeah, I should have looked at these. <laughs> I remember messing around with... Uh, I don't think this is a good mod, but I do remember having quite an amusing time with that mod that increases the size of all of Skyrim's creatures um, to, like, Godzilla size, but doesn't do anything about the animation. So, like... Uh, and, <laughs> An angry fish will look so weird as it kind of flops at you. Um, most of the mods I use, I don't. I don't tend to do use novelty mods. I tend to just do like graphics mods or mm. um, you know interface mods and things like that. Like, um, but uh, I don't know. I do keep meaning to play Inderal as well. Um, yeah, that's but, pretty good. Uh, um. And I've played a few total conversion like RTS uh, mods in the in the past, in the distant past. Um, I do quite like total conversions because it's I think one of the issues I have with like integrating a sort of fan quest mod into Skyrim or something is there's like such distance between the sort of professional Bethesda bit and the recorded in somebody's bedroom um, like mod bit yeah. and it's like okay yeah that's a bit but if it is just hey this is from start to end is like you know, an amateurly made experience, then it's like, well, that's fine, let's see what you got. Yeah, um, yeah. It's cool. So, yeah, Endaral's good for that, and is actually a really made mod anyway, like it's uh, from its animations to it's like voice acting and that, it's all pretty well handled. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, not many personal favourites spring to mind, actually. A lot of the mods that, like, I if I was answering this sort of in the mid to late 2000s, yeah. early 2010s, like it would be things like the Stanley Parable or Dear Esther or whatever games that oh, yeah, so suddenly subsequently just became you know games. Um, I still do enjoy a bit of action Half Life, uh, which is the sort of jump around shooty things. Hmm. Some good multiplayer mods like that, but yeah, it's a it's an interesting question. I don't think what else is about. Hmm. I don't know. It's not springing to mind. I should have thought about that more before I came in here. Actually, I did. I didn't know how to say a blunder. Um, I actually have re-downloaded Soma and downloaded that uh, a game that another game that did uh, that I initially like bounced off of a little bit. Mm. But um, I've installed the mod that lets uh, that turns the creature attacking you off, so they're just sort of there lingering in the environment instead, uh, which was a good move because the stealth in that game isn't really up to much. Right. Um, but the environments are really nice, so uh, yes, I'm going to go back and play that. Yeah, that's, a, that, that's probably the only way I'd play it. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, cool. Uh, if you could get... Uh, this is a very good question. If you could get the devs of one game to go back and spend another six months or whatever on a game to make it just that bit better slash perfect, which game would it be? I don't know how good of a question that is, but there you go. These are all good questions, actually, I should say. Um, this is a very good crop, so thank you very much for sending them in. That, but that's from Joe in our Discord channel. Um, yeah. Phil, you, Phil, we talked a bit about this earlier. Um, do you have a specific answer for it? Um, well, the specific answer that came up in the Discord chat was uh, Metal Gear Solid Five, yeah. which is an interesting one. Um, it's one of those, like many that we were talking about earlier, we'll go into some of those, uh, it's, it's one of those where you think... Would six months have been enough? Yeah. Like, it's, give, given how long some of these games took to make anyway, like, you wonder how much difference six months would make. Well, the thing missing from uh, ML Gear Solid Five, I say missing, the thing that was cut, or for some reason, um, that people are generally up in arms about uh, on the internet is the um, 
mission where you fight Metal Gear on like a waterfall. Okay. Um, in uh, the uh, Angola Zaire border. All right. Um, and that has a, like a, a, a key story cutscene in it in relation to one character that was. Right. Uh, I won't spoil that because I know you haven't finished the story, Phil. Mm. That um, they they sliced out. But I I think that I. I'm not. I'm a. I'm, maybe I'm a bit too much of a um, Kojima apologist, and he is my problematic fave. I'm, that's uh, that's how I describe Kojima. <laughs> but um, my problematic bay. <laughs> but he. Um, I do think that that story uh, kind of like the chapter two of that game is is has a running theme through it that I think people have misinterpreted as unfinished. When I think it is actually a deliberate creative decision to to strip back a lot of the things that. Metal Gear is, but um, mm. I realise that it also it does end on some slightly on a slightly odd note. Uh, so I've been intrigued. Um, also, I still need to finish that because yeah, I'm really interested to see where I fall with it because there seems to be such a range of opinions on how unfinished yeah. slash bad that game story is. Yeah, um, and a better example might be something like, uh, and I've not finished this, but Deus Ex: Mankind Divided. Yes, um, which had a very abrupt ending. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, which again, Square Enix might argue like it builds into their whole idea of Deus Ex universe, where it's like this ongoing multimedia thing. I think was the plan originally for that. So maybe it is just a case of shorter, more frequent releases yeah. that lead into something uh, substantial. It's, but yeah, if you're paying forty or so pounds for a video game, yeah, it's always a bit of a downer when it just sort of ends and you don't get that sense of resolution. Yeah. Uh, I feel bad picking on No Man's Sky, but I will say that like if they could have put in some of this crafting stuff they've been doing and this other stuff they're patching in, and I've mm. seen that they're hiring a writer, so they've obviously got some more story stuff in mind. Like I kind of think that if they'd have gone early access first of all, and then dropped that stuff in before they said it was a finished release, absolutely, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think a lot of people's problems with No Man's Sky would be sorted out by doing an early access release, although that probably wasn't an option available to them. Because of the Sony stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because Sony doesn't have an early access program, I don't think. I know uh, Xbox has one now. No, yeah. um, Uh, Who knows? Um, Yeah, it's one of those. With No Man's Sky, you sort of think, based on the game they were making, compared to the perception of the game they were making... Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if anything they'd done would have helped too much. No, no, I don't think it would have done. Um, that's that's very true. But um, yeah, just uh, just from like a perspective of I picked up this game and you see the limits of it immediately, and you you kind of after like two or three planets, and you either embrace that or you just you reject it. Mm. Like um, I think that some of that more planet variation and like crafting stuff kind of hurt, uh, as well as the survival mode they've added. Um, uh, obviously, Kotor Two uh, has like a bit unfinished, you know, last act. Um, that, yeah. uh, but that's that's going really far back. Try to give a more recent example. Yeah, me too. Actually, um. hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm actually. I'm, I'm, there's not many games where I'm kind of like really outraged by the condition they end up in. Yeah, I guess this would be an easy question to ask. Uh, ten or so years ago, before like you could easily patch a thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh... Or and and you know the 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 situations where you would like lament a really sort of broken something like Vampire the Masquerade, uh, like you know the community's come in and done the job there. So yeah, it's like, that's all right. Even in the case of something like Deus Ex, that was delayed by like six months, uh, mm. and it had already been like when it came out, it was five years since the last one, which is a that is a long time for a, a sequel to a, a game like that. A long time to wait. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know how much longer they could have kept making that. Really. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't have an obvious answer to that. Metal Gear. Metal Gear. Yeah, I would. I would be curious to know if or if Kojima was still there, what might have been the extended life of that game? Like, could they have added like more missions to it? Could have been like this kind of live thing that kind of kept going, and it sort of has mm. that with the uh, multiplayer stuff. But that's not really that interesting to me. Um, but some more single player content. I don't know. I do Curious. wonder what the reception to the new Hitman would have been like if they'd waited the six months or so and just released it as boom, that's a game. Yeah, that's just a game that you can buy and all the missions are there. And it would have probably done slightly better than it. The problem is I don't know how well it did, and I also don't know. 
Yeah. If if it was hindered at all by like in the comment, the problem is you go off comments so often. Like everybody in the many reviews I wrote, going, oh, "I'm going to wait until it's the finished package and I'll just pick it up all at once." Now, I don't know if that's reflective of like Hitman fans of at large, whether that was their view as well or whether. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that as well. Angry people leave angry comments, regardless of what people think in general. Yeah, I, I, I um, I also think in the case of that, like the way it was kind of sliced up, meant that people could have could be a little bit kind of microscopic with the value of each episode, in terms sure. of you know each one has a price on it, you know, mm. which is not a a way you normally kind of like look at a single player game. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, um, um but like the count that is the way they released it had like a demonstrable effect on the levels that were made yeah um the response to things like sapienza and um yeah the community that built around that game definitely changed the later levels and sort of io's confidence in their ability to build them yeah um hmm. so it probably did come out as a better product because of it yeah yeah, yeah. okay uh so that seems like a fairly thoughtful answer to that question. Cool. Um, <laughs> that's good. You, Have we talked enough that we can move on? <laughs> <laughs> well, you end, up, you end up talking about Hitman again, and I thought, yeah. I can't do that to you, Phil. No, we'll just dive into it. Um, I will. I guess I'll end on this, this question. Uh, if you could only play one game for the rest of your life, uh, what would it be and why? Uh, I can't think of a single game that I wouldn't be bored of. Oh uh, yeah, I, I think I'd be bored, but I'd I'd just pick uh, something with a skirmish mode or like Civ or something. Um, uh, yeah, I'll just go with I'll go with I'll go with like uh, Civ Five with all the expansions. Why not? All right. Yeah, that's just that's my very basic answer. Um, I yeah, I don't know. I really miss not being able to shoot a thing. Oh, that's uh, it's, I, there's not any kind of obvious shooter to me that I don't know that quite has that appeal for me, but. Off the top of my head, I'd be like, "Well, I'm kind of resigned to the situation. I can't win this, so I may as well go with, uh, yeah, just a game that I know I can play for a while." You know. Hmm. Any more thoughts, Phil? I, I, don't know. I would probably pick like. I'm trying to think of. Uh, would you go? I don't know, like uh, Battlefield or Overwatch. Battlefield might be a good shout, actually. I was trying to think of like. My mind was sort of circling around something like Unreal 2K4, and I was like, yeah, "Oh that, yeah, that would be fun shooting for as long as that community lasts." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, although you... once the community is completely exited that game, it's like I'm just going to be there, going around bot arenas on my own, thinking, "What have I done with my life?" <laughs> that's a good like ten minutes a day kind of game, though, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, that's a good choice. Actually, the fact that you know there's probably still people playing that game probably means it's got uh, more of a shelf life than some of the battlefields where like the community just migrates between each one yeah yeah of course um but then you know i, I guess in this scenario the idea is that it would be as it is now forever so yeah. don't worry about the uh them sunsetting the servers okay, like yeah that's good. okay good well i hope that's answered your question uh that was s sundown i think or something like that what was that s no s Stickman. Stickman. man Stickman. yes that was it With okay two cool S's. okay good um in which case that is very much the end of the podcast yeah. uh, we will be back hopefully next week with Andy talking about Resident Evil 7 uh, we have a magazine on sale now issue 301 of PC Gamer has mm. Prey on the cover it's very good there's lots of cool features in there uh, we have the PC Gamer Weekender coming up on February 18th and 19th uh, which you can buy tickets for or at P- uh, weekender.pcgamer.com we will be there um, there's going to be some cool uh, stage stuff announced the next uh, couple of weeks just waiting for a few things to lock in but yeah, I think people really like the lineup for that pretty exciting already yeah it's going to be good and uh, yes anything else to plug Phil oh, we've already plugged yeah, Discord haven't we we've plugged the Discord uh, that was discord.gg slash pcgamer yeah uh, come and say hello yes uh, leave us your questions there feedback yeah. whatever you like and that is everything we'll be back next week bye